Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondek, and today we are in the mini-series episode number three, That They May Be One. So stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone, to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and thank you for tuning in today. We're in our mini-series, which is on church unity, the body of Christ unified. This is the third and final episode that they may be one with my friend coming from Washington, D.C., Matt Crum. And so stay tuned and feel free to go back to the previous episodes if you'd like to, to see where we are to get caught up to speed. Finally, subscribe to our newsletter at theguyslikeus.com. At the bottom, you can subscribe to stay up to date with all the latest news. Here is my conversation with Matt. Welcome back, everyone, to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and I'm joined again with Matt Crum. This is part three that they may be one. This is our mini series. This is the third and final um, segment, so to speak, of this uh, of this podcast on church unity. And so Matt, thanks for, for joining again. Excited to dig into today's discussion. Thank you, Tyler. Excited to complete the trilogy here. Yes. It's, uh, it's feeling a little bit like J.R.R. Tolkien a bit, but we've, we've got a trilogy going. Mm-hmm. It's come to completion today even better this is in good trinitarian form so we have a three-piece segment so um absolutely (laughs) absolutely so well let's let's uh just do a brief recap into where we've been where we uh, are now and where we are going and so um we kicked off if you've been tuning along you know a little bit about where we've been but i know just like if you're listening to a sermon you you forget the sermon a few days later and so um, like many things, we are forgetful people. And so we started off um, episode one of just our introduction into the topic, why we're interested in church unity. Um, I gave my my take. Matt, you gave yours as well. Um, and again, if you're interested in our, our personal takes of why, it's, why this was of interest to us, feel free to go back to that episode. Um, and then we, um, we kind of looked at some aspects of how there's been disunity and why there's a need for unity. What are some of the different aspects that have contributed to disunity um, along different lines? And we'll, we'll discuss a little bit more of that today, so I won't rehash that too much. Um, and then uh, really we, we broke down John 17 kind of as a key guiding text on unity. So I would recommend you look at that text for some, re- for some background. Um, but... One of the, the core components of John 17 was that unity is, is an aspect of witness. It's an aspect of mission, and it glorifies God when we are one, just as the Father and the Son are one. And so that's that's kind of the, the platform in which we approach a lot of what we're approaching. Last episode, we got into visible and invisible unity, and um, we... Uh, Matt did some good research on some key views of visible versus invisible unity. And there's a little bit of a distinction there as well from institutional unity. Um, and so all that to say, we've, we've gone through a little, we've weaved through the, uh, the moments of history. We've weaved through um, our kind of current setting and 
Um, I'm excited today to get into kind of the practical aspects of church unity, how to do church unity. But Matt, you want to recap just a, a little, fill in the gaps here of the, anything in the last episode or the episode before that? Yeah, I think you did a good job summarizing so far. I mean, the one of the key reasons why we're concerned about unity is because Jesus prayed for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a big part of what John 17 has to say, is that he wanted both his apostles there with him to be unified, and then the future church to be unified as well. And so that was the big thrust of the first podcast and what it, what it meant to Jesus as he was praying to his father, on a unified church. And so that's that we, we enter that discussion really that was started all the way back then. And uh, as you said, Tyler, you, you have a very missional focus. And I, and I believe that's really at the core of my interest in this topic, because, uh, there's certainly some, you know, frankly damage to the mission uh, that I think disunity has unfortunately caused. And so, uh, we've been kind of putting, putting together those building blocks of, what it what it could mean what it ha- what it has meant as far as unity and disunity uh, mm-hmm. what it is kind of evolving and and what it means today and and in this podcast I'm looking forward to uh, in- engaging in how we can see unity in the future mm-hmm. and so those those views that you mentioned so in the last podcast unity uh, in terms of visible invisible mm-hmm. and then we mm-hmm. even made the distinction on the visible side of visible versus institutional unity and I'm, I'm really excited to pick up that theme hmm. especially because uh, there are clear especially as, as you look through history and doctrine and and the, the history of this church of the church you see that um, the institutional unity has been something that was what it has been emphasized and is emphasized by certain uh, certain expressions of the church, the Roman Catholic Church, the Orthodox Church, uh, even even some uh, Protestant expressions as well. Uh, but there's so that's the institutional part of it. But there, there's also a visible unity that is that expresses itself uh, kind of just in everyday life. You know, do when you see Christians out on the streets or Christians acting in certain ways. Are they do they seem visibly unified or not? And so I'm really hmm. excited to dig into how that might look. But yeah, that's that's a little bit on where we are. I think I think you covered some things. So let's let's continue. No, it's good, and I think it's helpful to remind ourselves, remind the listeners that right. I mean, as a, as an evangelical, as someone who believes in really the preaching of God's word and its influence over culture, over life, right? The missional aspect is um is a great call in john 17 as it's a witness to others as well of our our, our unity and so that's something i certainly is it's not something solely to talk about but uh the encouragement for today is that when, go out and do it go out and do unity um because yes. it's, it matters and so i'm hoping that we can kind of start to turn that dial um right from uh, we started kind of with a little exegesis uh again we're not scholars so you know give us some grace but also, you know, got into a little history. I got into kind of some contemporary analysis, and now we're at the practice. And so, I think the one thing, right, is that visible unity. I think generally is this like what you what appears to be so, right? And so, does it look lo- like there's some unity? Institutional unity, on the other hand, I think is more 
um, is a little, uh, I think is demanding maybe of our task for today. And so um, institutionally, and in some sense, there is a little bit of fragmentation, even institutionally, because you see different contexts of churches, right? In Ephesus or Corinth, even in in God's word, that look a little bit different. They're dealing with different issues, right? And so there's different, even there's core marks of the church, but there's some different um, uh, accents that are representative, even in just different aspects. And so that would, you know, that's maybe not as much the case in, as you mentioned, Roman Catholicism or Orthodoxy. Um, But even then, I'd argue that there is some, you know, there's differing views. I mean, you look at all the different orders within Catholicism, for example, right? You have the Ignatian, you have Jesuit, you have Augustini, all these different orders that are different, you know? So our guiding question, perhaps, is how may a visible unity be a bridge or forerunner to institutional unity? So that's one of the guiding questions, I think. Um, and I think will help helps us kind of get the ball rolling. Um, and so what I wanted to do is kind of show aspects of visible unity, some places where they're happening, right? Um, and kind of look at some of the different levels of it and how these kind of reflect unity. Um, and then and then after that, I'll give a little bit of my analysis on I think what is, you know, some good, good aspects of these different endeavors. Um, and we can start from there. Does that sound good? Sounds wonderful. So we have the news and media. So a couple aspects of unity, right? You have named a few Gospel Coalition, Christianity Today, Relevant. These are just some different news and media publications, which I think is important because it's the pub, there is news and media is a great form of communication of witness to the world, right? It's how it's a transmission of message. Um, and so how the, the gospel is brought out publicly, this is an incredibly useful tool for that. Um, and I think with that, actually, let me break down all these different aspects and then I can show and recap kind of some of the the different aspects of what disunity and how those are brought together unified in this. So you have that news and media. There's networks. There's different church planning networks, right? More people today are aligning around networks. Um, and so you'll, you'll see some, for example, uh, like A29, X29, um, Redeemer City to City, uh, Soma, um, ARC. These are these aren't necessarily everyone from the same denomination, um, but you'll see people coming from different denominations in particular, right? At least from the, the more evangelical Protestant uh, efforts, right, in church planning. Then you have creeds. These are some things which are unified doctrinal stances, right, that we have held to for the ancient, since ancient times. And so, right, you have the Nicene, the Apostles, and another one is I'm seeing more recently is the Lausanne Covenant as well. Then you have um, kind of the outreach, and this is the Justice and Mercy, Mercy Initiatives, which it can show an aspect of witness publicly, right? What is the, what is, how do we engage our faith in the public square? So you have the AND campaign, you have World Vision, you have Compassion International, I'm sure people have heard of these. And then you have these local, you know, 501c3s that are connected to different churches that are, you know, focused on different aspects, um, anti-trafficking, poverty, um, substance abuse, right? Different areas of engaging locally to reflect 
the kingdom in these different aspects of brokenness. Then we have the educational platforms. So we have, um, I'm near, I'd say Gordon Conwell is a, has multiple denominations represented is a aspect of church unity. You have other networks like the Surge Network. It's one I've been a part of more recently. Um, it talks about f- really faith, work, mission, justice, understanding God's big story, and also as in kind of a unified aspect. Um, the final thing of how v- visible unity is demonstrated is prayer. And so when we see prayer, I mean, th- there's, I think, incredible things start with prayer or even just small Bible studies or small groups, right? And so I've named kind of these more of these, I guess these, in some sense, these are kind of institutional, um, all the things I've mentioned. Um, but, you know, not as, I don't know, when I think of institutional, these aren't maybe as institutionally, but even just smaller things like prayer or, or small Bible studies can be a, that are Holy Spirit driven and focused on the word really are aspects of church unity. The reason I chose these ones kind of as some aspects of church unity of people, organizations that are doing this is because there's variety in some of these different aspects, right? There's variety, even theologically, doctrinally, there's political uh, leanings, there's different historical perspectives, there's different emphasis on the giftings, uh, different size, church sizes, different cultures, ethnicities represented among these, right? And these are, it's just a sample, I think, of, you know, of how that's been demonstrated um, to be an aspect of church unity, right? Um, and uh, yeah, so I'll stop there for now. But what, um, how do you, is there anything you'd like to add to that or any reflections on visible unity? Yeah, and I, I love these examples because they are prime <laughs> examples of the truly vibrant, you know, you hear a lot about, the church's decline in North America or in the West. But I think what gets lost is that there, there are, there are truly there. I should, I should say there is a truly vibrant network of, I'll call these just parachurch organizations. Yep. You mentioned those news and media sites. I mean, most of those, those that you example, most of the exa- examples you gave are largely evangelical Protestants yep. uh, in their Genesis yep. the gospel coalition. Christianity today sure. relevant, but but they certainly certainly attempt to have a uh, ecumenical voice, and they sure. they want to you know the the heart is to really be ecumenical in focus and focus and go across all all um, Christianity, and so it's same thing same thing I would say with the with kind of those, those nonprofits, 501c3s, right? Compassion International, World Vision. Um, it's, you don't even hear, they're, they're so cross-denominational, you can hear them in multiple different contexts. And their their heart truly is to um, meet the meet the world's needs um, and, and do it from mm-hmm. the, the Christian base. And, and they don't really specify much on the Christian base. And yes, they are largely evangelical driven but but certainly not uh the end that they have in mind and then you know the networks same thing you you mentioned obviously the ones that you and i know know of are more of those evangelical church planning um but i would i would point again to the uh, uh the anglicans of north america so that's the um very pretty recent split off of from the church of england that, that anglicanism is going through 
and they have a robust network that is growing every day. In fact, it's funny. I, I read a story on Christianity Today, uh, <laughs> speaking of, about Beth Moore, who is a you know very prolific author, women's study creator, just Bible study creator in general, of her leaving the Southern Baptist Convention, which is probably one of the largest um uh, you you can't it's hard it's hard, to, it's hard to define them they are a don, denomination of being baptist but there are other baptist denominations surrounding it so it's it's sort of a, a baptist organization and, and probably the lo- the largest existing network of denominational um, churches uh, she she left that convention for for what it is and she recently joined an anglican church in houston texas and so that's that's a very encouraging story to me but uh, yeah, and so you can see, and you mentioned the different, you know, there's different Catholic orders, right? And so there's, within, um, it, it's cool to see that there is some, um, how, how, how would you call it? Equ- not equivalent, equivalency is the wrong word, but, you know, somebody like a Beth Moore can, can feel like she is faithfully going to one and the other without completely renouncing the other. And so that that is also encouraging in this kind of, um, parachurch and interdenominational world, um, but yeah, I, I think w- it's funny when you when you say prayer, I immediately think of the, the those old flagpole days at in um, in public schools, right? Gather at the flag and pray. There's there's one one day a week where um, anybody who any high school student who is a Christian is is able to go over to the the flag and, and there's usually an adult chaperone or two, but uh, you, you you look around and you see, oh, I didn't know you were a Christian. Oh, I didn't know you were a Christian. So that brings together fond memories of those kinds of uh, things. And so, yeah, this is, there is vibrancy out there. There are these organizations that are seeking unity in their own way. So I'm, I really like this, this list. Yeah, I, I think the, the important distinguishing, I guess, component I think historically the word ecumenical, right? Though it's, a, mm-hmm. I think it's a useful word, has baggage that's oh, yeah. you just align with any anyone and do anything. And so this is something that I referenced at the end of last podcast. And that, well, where do we draw the line, right? Where do we say, okay, no, I can't align with you in this these particular areas um, and be unified? And I, I think I think that's fine, I, right? I don't think that there's a call to agree on everything. Um, so just want to say that, and I think in some sense, right, you, you're, you engage people. And I think Jesus did that very well in engaging everybody, you know, he didn't not talk to people in a sense. And so I think there is this sense that the people who are in front of us, who are near us, we are to engage. Right. And I think to do that respectfully, um, do it gently. And if there's, you know, I think with relationship comes trust. Right. And so I think the first call is to build relationships with people who um, perhaps are not, you not be considered within your local church or even within, you know, some of the the most near affiliations you have denominationally or, you know, otherwise culturally or politically or uh, if just some of these networks that you're part of. Right. Um, So I think the encouragement is to run, I think to seek God's word. And so when we seek God's word and when we're led by the Holy spirit, I think those, that's the recipe and we we bake it in prayer I think that's when we when we really kind of lean into okay let's let's see what God's will is and in unity 
And so all that to say, there'll be moments, I think, when you just use your, your conscience and you say, okay, no, this isn't something to be unified in. Um, but I think, you know, I think that's, that, that's clear. I don't think we even need to say that too much because I think that should be clear for most people. Well, but it's <laughs> using your conscience is also the reason why we have disunity in the first place, uh, because, sure. you know, the, the, the Puritans who were originally a break off of the church of England and sought new land and a new place to that they, they were following their conscience. You hmm. can talk say the same thing about Calvin and Luther and that's fair. And so it's, it's necessary. And so that's, I'll just circle back to the creeds, which is the thing I didn't mention. Hmm. And I think you, you were circling right around it. A lot of modern attempts at, I use the word again, and, and you, you defined it very well, ecumenical conversations usually start with some sort of creeds. You mentioned the Nicene, the Apostles' Creed is mm. kind of the, the base sure. or starting point in agreement. Um, and so evangelicals and Catholics together was a movement in the late 90s that uh, sought to uh, sought to define huh. some lines around those creeds and and the Lutzan Covenant, which actually is gathering in 2024, I didn't realize, in Seoul, hmm. South Korea. So that's it'd be really interesting to see what comes out of that. But hmm. yeah, I mean, yeah. lines and this this is much too deep of a topic to, to dive. But the Church of England example I'll bring up again. Sure. There are lines being drawn around marriage right now, and and that's what uh, that's what initially led the North American expression of of Anglicanism of, of of the Anglican Church to hmm. uh, to do a breakaway group. And so, yeah, it's 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 necessary. Lines need to be drawn, and um, hmm. the orthodoxy of the faith as handed down it needs to be protected. Mm-hmm. So, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I think, yeah, I, I don't know. All that to say, I think there's moments when you have to, you have to establish the boundaries. You have to establish the Orthodox because that yes. is that, that is at stake, right? There, that's always at stake when you seek unity. Right. And I think, I think that's important is to, there'll be more moments of correction, even in unity. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, um, sometimes it can be a hard thing to, to engage right but nonetheless is our call um and to do it respectfully do it gently right and i think through the context of relationship and so that's something at least personally i think that's important um amen well let me there's a couple of guiding scriptures i thought were kind of unique around this topic that i definitely wanted to at least you know mention in some level um just to kind of help further our kind of our our topic here so i'll just mention them i don't want to comment too too much on them but one of them is Ephesians 4, verse 4 to 6. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So certainly a, a crucial text on unity. Um, and again, kind of focused around the body. And I like that analogy of, you know, we had looked at, how the body, how there's different giftings within the body, right? And they complement each other to help it fill itself out, right? And yet again, it's referring to this this kind of body aspect um, analogy of unity. And so I think when we say the body of Christ, right? 
it's uh, echoing really this our own physical body as an analogy of okay, this is this similar. We can think of that as a bigger, bigger church as well, and we all have different aspects on the body that look might look a little bit different, but are still connected and unified. Yeah, and this would be a key verse for as we talked about last podcast, those who believe in the mystical unity or the hmm. invisible unity as really the only unity worth seeking, uh, which is largely the Reformed Protestant evangelical view, um, is that there is beauty and diversity, uh, but that diversity does not negate the one body, the one spirit, one hmm. faith, yeah. baptism. And so I, I see this as a kind of a foundational passage for that view, which is essentially, and we, we talked a little bit about it in, in the last podcast, is, is essentially, you know, certainly the, the churches that we are both a part of would, would hold largely hold to that view. Mm-hmm. I think the purpose of this podcast, though, is to kind of um, take that, take these different views and investigate further and kind of push, sure. push those, uh, those other visible and institutional questions. But yes, foundational okay. scripture, right. I think, yeah. for thinking about the global church. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, and just the other text I was going to mention too is from 1 Corinthians 15. And so I won't, I won't read the whole text, but um, really just the passage starts, how are the dead raised? What kind of body do they come? And so it makes a case for kind of a bodily resurrection. Um, and um, yeah, it says, oh, kind of go on here in verse 44. It is sown a natural body, it raises a spiritual body. If there is this natural body, there's also a spiritual body. So there's this connection between body and spirit. Um, and so I think when we think about, right, this kind of goes back to one of the views um, that we looked at last time. I believe it was... The, the eschatological... Thir- yeah, the focus on the eschatological component of yes. unity, right? And... I think that is an important aspect to keep in mind too. So not to, I don't know. Um, in some sense, what we're doing now is preparing, right? It's the, it's the then and not yet, right? And so it's preparing for what's to come because we can anticipate this bodily resurrection where in some sense we can still see the scars, you know, and the pain points, but they're just redeemed and glorified. Um, but also just a reminder that because of the state of this world, that, isn't going to fully be expressed and glorified until, um, until the other side of heaven. And so there is this, this yearning and longing that, you know, there, there will be that tension. And I think that's just an ease for us of not, you know, we don't need to reach this perfection and unity. I don't think that's the aim, but I think it is to be more, more unified is certainly a call not to be disunified. So, yes. Yeah, the, the definition that we discussed last time, which was one of the ones put forward by uh, the Gospel Coalition, the actual author is um, a Reformed Baptist, but the universal church is a heavenly and eschatological assembly of everyone, hmm. past, present, and future, who belongs to Christ's new kingdom and covenant. And so, yeah, I think that, that verse is a very strong um, supporting uh, supporting statement for that definition. Hmm. Well, before we get into kind of how to be a person of unity, um, because I think that's important, is for people next steps. Is there anything you'd like to touch on or discuss from your 
from your desk, Mr. Crum. No, I think I think it's been a good recap and good reiteration of why we're dis why a little bit why we're there's disunity today. Um, kind of the heart that should be behind unity. I think we've mentioned a couple times those those scriptures definitely get into it. Uh, the fact that there's one Lord, one Spirit, one body, right? And so I think, and we and, we, and I think going back to the those parachurch organizations, I mean, they are seeking. It's sometimes you can blame parachurch organizations because, well, well, why are you distracting from the mission of the church? Why why can't we just have the institution of the church and that be sufficient? And I think. Um, I think what's ended up happening is that the parachurch organization, the, 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 the vibrant world of news and media networks, uh, nonprofits, educational, uh, educational seminaries and sure, sure. colleges and platforms, it all, it all de-emphasize, it, it de-emphasizes the disunity that the institutional church has unfortunately proliferated and you know, allows us to focus on those very missional aspects that the church is supposed to embody. And so that's, that is a beautiful thing. Hmm. And so um, I'm glad that we were able to bring that up, especially in this, in this podcast and, and discuss that a bit and more to come, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, so I guess before we go on further, so there's, yeah, there's these, the parachurch, which I think helps to equip the local church, but I guess, I don't know, we, we don't want to get too deep into this, but the institutional church, right? So would the, these creeds be an aspect of institutional unity? Is that how institutional unity is typically demonstrated historically? How what how has that taken shape, I guess? Or what, what is the view around, okay, how what is a more institutional unity? Because I think that there, there is some books out there, I think, that try and promote more of an institutional unity, in my understanding. Yeah, and I think, so not only, so if you go to a, Try, I, I don't know the statistics here, but sure. go to a go to a local church's website in your community and look at the what we believe section. I, I guarantee you four out of five will will mention one of the creeds. Right. And so sure. I think the creeds are kind of this undergirding for any institution that does crop up. Right. And so um, one one book and this is kind of a suggested reading portion of this podcast because we certainly don't have enough time to dive into it but it's it's called the end of protestantism by peter lightheart hmm. uh lightheart is a he's the president of the theopolis institute which is an institute in alabama and he is he is one of those lone voices i think not completely lone but mm-hmm. uh, certainly one of the leading voices that challenges the invisible slash mystical unity view that is so pre- uh, prevalent in the protestants evangelical reformed whatever mm-hmm, you want to call mm-hmm, it world sure. he he sees sort of a need for a, the what he calls the death uh, of protestantism right dying to ourselves dying to the denominational structure that we have hmm. uh we have created for ourselves and and he he's speaking primarily to a protestant or reformed audience but you know by sure. de- definition the, this death to the disunity that we have sowed um, through all these different expressions of the church, I think, applies pretty much worldwide. But he's mm-hmm. he's mainly just talking about what's in his purview, which again is sort of this uh, more North American expression of, of Protestant or Reformed. Mm-hmm. And 
what I really like about, and so you can read, he, he, he's a, he's a bold writer. He, he gives us this vision of what a, essentially it's a blueprint, right? It's a skeleton of what this, a future unified church would look like. And he, you know, there's, there's a lot of, he kind of borrows from Tyler and uh, Tyler, you and I talked about spirit led uh, as, as churches being a little bit more, or maybe even a lot more uh, vibrant and growing these days versus, mm-hmm. you know, the, the outcroppings of the mainline Protestant churches where mm-hmm. uh, they have the, the way of doing things there may have been getting a little, um, a little just um, robotic. But you know, I mentioned the Anglicanism is 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 kind of having to come back. But so he, he kind of he kind of looks across the spectrum of different expressions and, and and brings this blueprint. But I think two primary takeaways of this book that I took away were just bare minimum things that we should be doing. And one of the one of the things is a call to pastors to um, you know be in community with pastors in your neighborhood of, of different churches, different denominations as sort of a bare minimum exercise of it. If you are not meeting across the board with the, not with pastors um, mm-hmm. who, who mm-hmm. profess Christ sure. and you're not at least talking about what a unified, uh, a more unified expression of Christ church on here on earth hmm. would look like in your community. I, I think, I think you're missing I think pastors are missing. He would say pastors are missing it. Hmm. Um, and then, uh, so that, that was kind of, that was kind of a right. big takeaway for me, but right. I think what the other kind of thing is a little bit more higher level. It's a little bit, a little bit more spiritual in nature in the sense that the Bible tells story of stories of things being built, built up and torn down and God, it's kind of God's ongoing movement in the world. Hmm. Kingdoms rise and fall. Sure leaders rise and fall movements rise and fall and so um the and this and you could you could certainly make a a case that denominationalism is is being in in the process of being torn down and and god might be creating something new and so i think that's that's something really interesting to think about it's when you when you take five steps higher look over you know over what god's doing throughout the whole world is he kind of recreating the church in a way that that leads to more unity. I mean, he certainly is. I think that's a right. promise that right. we can certainly rely on that he is uni- uniting his his followers, right? right. Uh, but d- interesting reading. I would highly recommend to go to go read uh, the end of Protestantism by by Peter Lightheart. Yeah. No, I think it's yeah. There, I like this. Is like some things are being deformed and reformed, right? There's this constant kind of breaking and then rising right and that's that's the life that's the life the christian life i think too right is dying to aspects of yourself and then being filled with christ right and that just follows who christ is life death resurrection ascension right and so that's i think if we're to be more like jesus christ then that's an aspect of our is dying to our own perhaps in some sense our traditions which maybe don't align with God's word um, or dying to our maybe preconceptions of what um, unity looks like. Um, I like the, just kind of one thought on that. I like how some churches are aligning around networks. Um, so aligning around, you know, we're a, a, this church planning network. We're aligned with this 
you know, a denomination could be a network. We align with this discipleship network. We align with this, you know, and it shows this aspect of unity um, and keeps it, um, I don't know. I think sometimes we have a lot of, you know, beliefs and statement of beliefs that are like 300 pages long, right? Um, but I think sometimes, and I, I, there's reason, good reason for a lot of that. But sometimes I think that can just be a bit lengthy and you can simplify some kind of core beliefs and um and such so anyways i won't get into that but let's pick it up back with the kind of where we were in the parachurch organization how we can be right this the podcast here is faith conversations for the common man so what is ways that kind of pastors or just general you know people congregants people who are leaders or just uh attended local church can be involved in unity right not just for the pastors but also for you know people who work in business, who work uh, in schools, who work wherever, and are connected through Bible study or prayer. And so I think the first component is that, as I mentioned, you need a missional movement. And so seek prayer, dedicate time in your day or week or month for God's people. Pray for unity, right? Pray for the church to be more uni- unified, for to be a witness, to be a light yourself, to be in the neighborhoods you, you're in, to be a vessel, an ambassador is a good biblical word of unity. The second is involve yourself in your church that's doing other yeah, uh, unified efforts. Or, you know, if that's not possible, or in addition, parachurch organizations or ministries that are involved in church unity, right? Whether it's a, you know, a virtual Bible study. So you connect with people. That's something, that's how the guys like us started, is a virtual Bible study, connecting with people, you know, and other young middle-aged men, and hearing about their faith journey, right? That's an aspect of unity. Um, but yeah, not so not only assenting to belief, but actually embodying it, living it out together, right? And I think that's important, being a community. And then I just, the encouragement is just to elevate creativity, right? So often we're, uh, I don't know, some of us are more creativity focused, some of us are more kind of process procedure focused. I'm certainly more process procedure, kind of or, structured, organized. So thinking about ways, creative ways to foster unity um, is, uh, I think, is cool, right? And um, so I think that that one way is, is Bible study, right, is a cool way to, to do that virtually, right? Or going down to a coffee shop and even having a talk on, um, you know, something important uh, like, you know, serve, caring for the city and inviting church leaders from, or church people from different churches, right, across the city to take part in this time of prayer or just a time of discussion, right? Those are some kind of cool ways. It doesn't have to be this, you know, it just starts with this something small and potentially could lead to something greater. Yeah, I, I like that. And, and that's kind of what I mentioned about about what Lightheart said is that, you know, leaders in, you know, church leaders in your community, I think, and I think, to their credit, many are doing this, right? I, I think there's lots of um, coffee having with church leaders sure. and organizations across, you know, any given locality. And so I'll just tell you the story of an organization that I'm a part of here in Arlington, Virginia. It's called Arlington Bridge Builders. And so the Genesis, they are a, they're a parachurch organization. They have pretty simple uh, meeting the physical and spiritual needs, goals of, of their ministry. We um, we, we have a food bank. We, we go deliver food on Saturdays to people in need. We also pray with them. Mm -hmm. Um, and we also, uh, 
just try to meet other needs, both physical and then we, sure. and then ultimately we want to get them connected into some sort of uh, church community. Right. Uh, so, and that is the leadership of that organization is Baptist Presbyterian, essentially a core group of churches in, in Arlington, Virginia, that um, established it and continues to run it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so part of what I'm doing is not only just being involved uh, as a as a member of not even an Arlington church, I, I attend a church in Washington D.C., mm-hmm. uh, but I live in Arlington, and so I wanted to be able to serve hmm. my own community yeah. and my own neighbors, and so yep. that is kind of what drew me. In addition to this sort of cross church sure. uh, structure of ABB, and so what I'm uh, what I'm kind of thinking about is is you know, hey, it's you know, how can we just kind of increase this vision of, of unity? And, and so we're talking about how visible unity, right, is mm-hmm. a key thing that we can do. And so if we as, as ABB, Arlington Bridge Builders, from different churches are out, uh, you know, meeting the physical needs of, right. um, of, of our Arlington neighbors in need, the prayer is that we would be known and seen as unified in our mission and in mm-hmm. our love towards towards God, so I think I think that is it, it, it's it's not always great, you know. It's it's I think there's a of the total orthodox, and I say orthodox in the terms of uh, in line with the historic faith of the total churches that are in line with the historic faith in Arlington. There's mm-hmm. probably only a small fraction that are actually involved on a week to week basis, but sure. uh, we would I would love I personally love to see more unification on that but it's it's the missional outcropping right mm-hmm. the um, mm-hmm. ways to be visible in your community as the church as not not part of this church or that church as the church so Amen. that's what i love yeah. and no i think it fits in it fits right into your uh, missional movements here mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. amen well thanks for the encouragement yeah i think that's that's um that's what I got for today. And I think that's the, uh, you know, we've been through, we've been through, this is it, the end of the, getting toward the end of the third episode. Right. And so hope that this is, uh, you know, by no means, uh, a full, a full, uh, breakdown of, you know, church unity, but certainly I think is something that's worth considering and hopefully piqued your interest. And so any final words or anything you wanted to, to mention, Matt? I'll go back to the very first questions that we asked in our first episode. Hmm. Uh, so basically surrounding why are, why is there disunity hmm. globally in your neighborhood? What are, what are the factors that lead to that? Right. Um, how, and, um, well, I don't, I don't have those questions in front of me, Tyler, so I'm struggling a bit, but, <laughs> uh, basically, uh, does it have to be that way? And mm-hmm. what does it mean for the mission of the church, right? That we have different names above the doors when it's really about the name above all names. Hmm. Uh, sure. So that's just sure. questions that's for, for you to leave this podcast and ask, continue to ask yourself in your community and your church. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I think we've got a lot of good tools here that we discussed sure. to, to seek that unity and to, to be the answer to Jesus's prayer. Mm-hmm of unity among his people. That's right. That's right. Yeah, no, I think that's a good synopsis. And um, I'm encouraged. I think there's a lot of people who are already doing it. So if you're if you're in the audience and you are doing the work 
of church unity, of unifying the body of Christ. Um, amen. God bless you. This is uh, certainly an important aspect of our mission as believers, as followers of the, uh, the, the living and active God um, with us today. And so um, if you have any further questions, I'd say reach out and we'd love to, to connect more. Or if you have other resources or things that have been helpful for you, uh, please reach out as well. Well, that's our, our time is expiring for today. And so, Matt, it's been a pleasure mini-series-ing with you and um, look forward to continued conversation. That's right, Tyler. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks for including me. <laughs>